Hey guys, this is Kelsey with Tour de Force. We're gonna do our best try at our first podcast here. Um, I'm here with Tyler Dill. He plays at Utica College. Nate Callen, he plays at um, Maine Mariners. And Jasper Cork and Barley, who is going into his senior year at Fredonia College. Um, currently, I just interrupted the boys' conversation. They're evaluating some of their teammates. So if you're one of their teammates, let that settle in your mind for a second. They're talking a little bit of shit. <laughs> but, and now I'm just just joshing you. Was for sure. <laughs> yes, I was, um, but I want this podcast to just kind of be free flowing. It's our first one, so I'm just gonna start off and say all these boys are from California, so maybe we can talk about how hockey in California is and how you guys feel it's helped you advance or the struggles coming from California as a hockey player. Tyler, any takes? Um, I don't know. I think California is expanding hockey-wise. I think every year there's more and more players. And as you get into higher levels of hockey, you definitely see at least one kid from California on every team now. It's so it's growing, which is good for the sport and good for where we're from. Um, I've been pretty fortunate growing up in Tahoe, getting as much ice time as I've ever wanted and stuff. So. I've been pretty fortunate with everything, and I think California's just expanding, and it's good for everyone. You feel like coming from the high altitudes, you have a little bit of an advantage? Uh, I don't really think so, no. <laughs> no. And also dusted him in mile rounds. <laughs> uh, Nate's from San Diego, so how did you feel growing up playing hockey in San Diego? Uh, it was good. I had a lot of role models, I think. Um, some older guys that really paved the way for us young guns um it's a pretty tight-knit community down there we have good good skates um especially in the summertime right now the off season I'm trying to get tyler and jasper to come down and, and train with us but they just don't want to i think <laughs> no, it's a little, really good, a little out of the price range yeah, yeah it is it's um is it a goal for you to maybe go back and play for the goals well of course i mean i would love to play in the american league it'd be awesome but i'm not really any picky about where i go but playing at home would be really fun for sure all right here's the question though you're playing for the goals are you living with ross (laughs) ross is nate's dad dude i think i would yeah 100 percent free exactly (laughs) but would ross charge rent wow dude i think my dad would pay me to live at home (laughs) (laughs) there we go Uh, no but that would be awesome home dinners too God, my home dinners are not great. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> oh. And Jasper. Jasper's from Oakland. How do you feel growing up there with hockey? Uh, growing up in Oakland was, like, for hockey-wise, was pretty interesting. Like, it was hard to find, like, you kind of had to move away in order to play at a high level, um, which I did when I was 16. But not a lot of people in, the, like, the Bay Area – wanted to play hockey at a high level so that was kind of hard kind of figuring out where to go and like what route to take in order to try to like play college hockey I ended up going to prep school in Quebec which was difficult because I didn't speak French so yeah I went to prep school for a year in Quebec yeah uh, when I was junior in high school so that was that was a crazy experience for me just like it was crazy too leaving Oakland because when you're in that situation, like there's not a lot of like high level players and you go to Canada and you see how many good hockey players are all over the place, it really gives you perspective on how good you have to be in order to play college hockey, like make it at a high level. So it was, um, yeah, playing, you know, growing up in Oakland had a lot of disadvantages, had a lot of advantages. So it was, it was a good experience overall, for sure. That's interesting that you, say that moving to Quebec kind of like opened your eyes do you think it is more helpful to be at an area where as a young athlete you are kind of like the head of your class or do you think it's better for development to have like people pushing you and to be maybe the middle of the pack um I think it's best development wise to be the 
best player when you're young. Felt that confidence. Because you have confidence, you have the puck on your stick, like, more of the time, and you learn how to score goals, and you learn how to take control of the game. Yeah. So I think that, at a young age, I think it's really beneficial to be the best player on your team, even if it's not at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I think if as you get older, um, and as your game progresses, like, it's important to play at a high level and have players around you that are also really good that are pushing you to be better. So it's like a combination of both, I would say. Gotcha. And here's one question that I've been thinking about just because I'm a girl and I don't know fully the whole entire aspect of guys' hockey. But is college hockey kind of a breath of fresh air for you guys? You don't really have to worry about being traded like you do in juniors or pros. Um, For me, it was just because I got traded a lot in juniors. So once I went to Fredonia, I kind of was, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to spend my four years. Um, so it was, it was great. And like, we also had a really good group of guys. So whether you were playing a lot or didn't really matter as far as like being a part of the team, everyone had pretty equal amount of like being a part of the team, whether what your role was on the ice. So it was, that definitely was really great. I don't know about you guys, like, going to fairs and stuff, like... Yeah, I think it's pretty situational, you know, like, I have some friends that got buried in the lineup and didn't really play much, and I think that, looking back, if they could have gone somewhere else, they would have. Um, so I think if if you get on, on the good side of the coaches, honestly, to start, you really can be fortunate. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, if you are too complacent also with college it can kind of push you back because you're not really advancing you're, you're stuck there for four not really stuck but you're there for four years so it's easy to fall in the trap of just being comfortable and not really trying to progress your game um I know for sure for me like at the end of the like leaving after my senior year it was like oh damn like it's real again you know I have to really bring my game every single time on the ice when like if you're a senior in college it's like okay like I'm gonna try to do my best but it's if I mess up a drill it's not like the end of the world you know yeah so yeah it's interesting I never thought about that it's like it's like hitting the reset but yeah you go to pro like you gotta make new friends press coaches how was that you ended up finishing your college season and then jumping right into pro um, was that a difficult transition doing that in the middle of the school year? Um, no, not really. I mean, I was uh, taking like three classes, so um, I, I talked to all my teachers and made sure that I could do it online and some of my work and stuff. Um, it was definitely a huge transition hockey-wise, though. Um, just like we had three games in the middle of the week, which I've never, I haven't done in four years, you know, it's every every game is Friday, Saturday in college, and then to have a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, it's just it's just weird, you know. So it's definitely a little different, but yeah, yeah. Tyler, how is Utica College? They have unreal facilities there for the men's hockey team. I have been lucky enough to be able to watch some of your games, and the crowds just go wild. It's like un like no other D three hockey facilities yeah I think Utica is you get treated really well you're probably one of the best treated division three programs and I would even say you're treated better than some lower end division one programs at times Um, so I was pretty fortunate to be able to go there Uh, you get treated like a pro and that's something I was looking for when I was looking at colleges and stuff is just being able to be treated not really like a, a little student or a young kid being able to like take your career into your own hands and not be told exactly what to do 24 7 so I think Utica definitely gives that to you. So it's been nice for the two years. Uh, yeah. Nice. So you just had a big season. You guys went undefeated for 20 games? Uh, I think it was 22 or 23 after our last game. Unbelievable. Was it a little, uh, little heartbreaking that you didn't get to finish out that season? Um, yes and no. I think um, the year before we were on a pretty good game winning streak and everything and we lost in the championship and uh, 
our coach is a winner, I would say. He, he has a winning mindset. He doesn't really care too much about other things other than winning. And so uh, losing in the championship game my freshman year kind of had a big impact on the sophomore year. He brought in, I think, 12 freshmen and two transfers. So all of a sudden you have a brand new team. We have 35 guys on our roster leading Division three and tying Division one for the most guys on our roster spots. So that kind of sucked. And so... Um, yeah, even though we didn't get to go to the tournament this year, at least we ended the year with winning like our league championship, which satisfied our coach and kind of made him realize that the team he has is a good enough team to make that push. So he's not going to try to recruit guys out too much. I think as of now, we only have three guys coming in. We had three guys leave. So that's actually a good sign to start up for next season. Because bringing in so many guys definitely, like, it, it took away from the culture of the team. And every week there's 15 guys in the stands who are scratched. And then practice became more and more, like, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but, like, competitive level. Like, you, you didn't really care if you hurt a guy because that means you get a play. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. So it, it was definitely a different mindset. And I think halfway through the year our coach realized that. And he had to make some decisions that kind of fucked over a couple guys. But uh, at the end of the day, it bettered the team. And once he did let those guys go their own way, we ended up not losing the game for the rest of the season, which is kind of crazy to think about. So I think for what happened, it, it's okay. Just because he's not going to try to bury anyone too much this, this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I would say. But it would be nice. I've, I've never been to Nationals. I don't know if you'll ever get the chance. And this year's team definitely could have had a really good push. Yeah. So it's hard to say, but... Um, I was definitely fortunate with how the season went. Yeah. Yeah, you guys will definitely be starting the season next year with a big target on your back. Everyone's going to want to be that team that knocks you out of your uh, undefeated state. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I think, I mean, the record, I think, is around 70 undefeated games in NCAA hockey history. So, like, that's pretty hard to beat. I'd uh, <laughs> not be losing a game for the rest of my college career. So... I don't know if that's really doable, but uh, you kind of just got to take it one game at a time. And I know guys will definitely be thinking about the streak uh, come first couple games next season. Yeah. It's interesting you said that about bringing in so many guys because our coach just brought in, is bringing in 19 freshmen, oh. um, which is going to be crazy for me as a senior trying to like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of freshmen are going to have a lot of trouble you know, fig, like fig, figuring out their role on the team and kind of finding their niche and being patient. And it's going to be hard. I know the roster is probably going to be all over the place for the first half of the season. So it's going to be interesting. Just like, like, like you said, like I just I think it's a difficult way to go about things. But we're as players, we're kind of we just play the hand we're dealt. So it's going to be interesting navigating that me this next season coming up because I kind of already saw what you had to go through this year so hopefully we're able to have a good culture as a team despite how many people we'll have and everyone will hopefully be able to buy in but it's a lot harder when you have so many guys because it just means so many guys are in the stands every night. Yeah you got to find a good mesh of like a good locker room culture while keeping the competitiveness and not yeah. letting one override the other. Yeah, I mean, for me, my freshman year, I got scratched a lot of games, and it was really, I just, yeah, it was really difficult because you want to be a good teammate, but at the same time, like it sucks not playing. Like it's super hard. So, yeah. I mean, when you multiply that by like a lot of guys, you know, they all kind of feed off each other, and it's hard to like keep a positive attitude when you have ton of guys around you that are just everyone wants to play right so it's hard but makes sense. yeah makes sense. that's college hockey <laughs> um and what are you thinking you're gonna do after this upcoming season since it'll be your senior year um I don't know like for me I've thought about a lot of different things I might want to go to grad school um I might want to try to play pro a lot of it decide is dependent on how my season goes um and yeah just the opportunities that arise professionally whether it's in hockey or not in hockey um you know the great thing about my coach is he, he's always looking out for us and trying to get us opportunities in the work work world and the business world so um hopefully you know
know, I can find a good situation, whether it be playing pro hockey or whether it be, you know, a job that I'm passionate about after college. Um, you know, I, I had a buddy graduate and he was thinking about playing pro and then coronavirus hit and he just got a really good job out in San Luis Obispo and he's moving out to California and he's from Toronto. So something like that would be really cool. So I just kind of, I'm going to play it by ear and figure it out as I, as I go, which is kind of stressful because it's nice, <laughs> nice to have a plan, but I don't know. I've never really <laughs> been a big, big picture plan ahead guy. So yeah. just kind of figure it out as I go. And I heard you throw some compliments out to your coach there as him being able to be a person that helps pushes people forward in any direction that they want to go. Um, do you guys have any coaches that you want to give a shout out to that you think really helped form who you are as a player, help push you guys forward? Um, yeah, I would say if I had to pick like two coaches, it'd be hard to narrow it down to one. But I think one would be Jamie Baker. Um, I never actually played for Bakes. But he ended up moving up to Tahoe during the NHL lockout. I forget what year it was. And kind of showing me the ropes of what it takes to actually be a good hockey player. Because growing up in Tahoe, I didn't have any coaches. Really, I had to teach myself everything. And so once he kind of opened my eyes to how much there is to the game, like how much more important your skating is, your stick handling, your shot, your protection. Like it's not really just getting the puck to the net and everything. Like there's a lot more that goes into the game than just the basic stuff and so like that was huge and I think he really broke down how hard you have to work and he's one of those guys that he's always said he doesn't have NHL skill but he had higher than NHL work like uh he worked harder than a lot of NHL guys and that's why he ended up making it to the NHL so I think he was someone I really like uh looked at as like a hero almost and someone that I could uh work towards and some of the stories he would tell me about his training when he was a kid were pretty intense and I don't think I could ever get to his intensity level. He was a pretty crazy guy. Um, I mean that in a good way if he ever hears that. Uh, and then um, the other one would probably be Ryan Crethers. I played two years for Crethers in junior. And um, he's really helped me out with my entire hockey career. He's pushed me to Utica College. He, he got me to Charlotte. He put me in the NA for a few months. And uh, he's always been one of those guys that wants like the best for his players. And he wants player development instead of winning games, and that's someone I really like playing for. And like you said, if a player could, you know, move on to a higher level of hockey and leave his team, like that's what his goal was. His goal wasn't always to keep guys just so that, you know, he's the most winning coach in whatever league he's in. And I think he's a guy that's never, like, satisfied with where he is. And that's why he's always coaching in new places every year. So it's a good and a bad thing. I think it'd be nice if he could sit down somewhere and really consistently change an entire program like he did with Charlotte. But uh, he definitely is a guy that it, it is his way, and uh, he, his way is usually the right way too, which is really nice. So I was fortunate to learn a lot from him in two years. That's awesome. Nate, what about you? Um, you know, I started uh, really uh, getting into the fundamentals of hockey when I was young. My dad, um, fortunately enough for me, he really cared about my development, and he really wanted to set me up with some good like private lesson coaches and stuff. And one of those coaches when I was young was Randy Moy, um, Tyler's dad on the phone. Um, mm -hmm. And so, not Tyler Dill's dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was a big impact in my my youth, got, got the fundamentals um, down solid. And then as I got a little older, I realized my skating wasn't the best, and I tried to get with a good skating coach, and, and Noah Babin really helped me. Um, it started out with just a couple lessons, like a lesson a week, and um, I realized how impactful his, his stuff was, and now, like, I, I would say, like, he trusts me to, to coach other, other kids about it, which really is a compliment um, from him because it's pretty high skill level and, and tough to learn stuff, as Tyler and Jasper, they're struggling. Tyler, this one drill just cannot get it down. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, but he really uh, he showed me how to lift. He showed me how to how to think, how to act. You know, how to really how to how to become uh, a player who wants to get better. Um, and, and it really helped me throughout my entire career. So, nice, nice. Good. Jasper, do you have anyone that was very impactful to you as a coach? Yeah, um, 
Well, the first one I'd say is Larry Khan. Um, oh, shout out Larry. Shout Larry, out Larry. Shout yeah, Larry too. Larry, um, Larry's a big asset. I mean, for me, I probably don't play at a high level if I don't work with him because he was the first person that was like, dude, you need to figure out your skating. Like, And I, I always kind of, I never really had someone like work on the details of skating and stuff with me. It's still something I need to work on every day, but he really, you know, worked hard with me and put a lot of work into my skating and my edge work and stuff and kind of transformed my stride with me. It took took a few summers, but that was a huge thing for me. Um, so that was really important. And he's been really good about just being supportive and trying to, you know, follow my career and all of our careers and be helpful every step of the way. So that's been great. And then another one I was thinking of is uh, Alex Motley. Um, I played for him in U16s and yeah, I only played one season for him, but we got really close. And then uh, after that season, he unfortunately passed away. Um, but I think that helped a lot because he was like one of the few coaches that like really believed in me. And I think with that, him and him passing away, it gave me like a really good reason for why I wanted to be successful in hockey. And you know, a lot of different times. When I would get discouraged, um, you know, thinking about some of the conversations we had when I played for him, and some of the different, like some of the advice he gave me throughout my time playing for him, helped me a lot. Just later on, after he passed away, so I'd say those two are the most influential in my hockey career. That's phenomenal. That is awesome that you guys have all been so inspired and found mentors in the game. Um, do you guys think that you yourselves would ever mentor? I do believe all of you have helped coach already to some younger kids. I think uh, having an impact in someone's life is powerful stuff. Um, and it really is something that I want to do in the future. Whether it be in the office, you know, like if I'm behind a desk, or if I'm coaching hockey, I really want to focus on impacting people's lives rather than results. Um, and even like peers too, you know, it's, it's fun to inspire, it's, it's impactful to inspire like friends and, and family, you know, so it's, it's all just really powerful stuff. I think. That's awesome. I, yeah, I think giving back to the game is really important. I mean, the game's given us so much throughout our lives, you know, it's been something we've been passionate about since we can, I mean, for me at least since I was five years old. Um, so I think it'd be later on in life I don't know really how like I haven't really fit thought too much about how I'll give back or you know whether it be coaching or something like that but I definitely think it's important to give back to the game after you're done playing um so yeah for sure and like Nate said just helping your peers out I know like us training together you know we show each other stuff and help each other with stuff when we train together all the time so that's, that stuff's really great too. So it's a, a lot of different ways you can give back to the game. Nice. And how have you guys been dealing with all of the ice rinks being closed and shut down? Hitting a little extra roller hockey lately? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to get some post-game interviews today, but someone wasn't there and slept yeah, in. Slept in. <laughs> the boys went to hit some roller this morning. They left at 7.45 and I chose to hit the snooze button. I was going to do some post-game interviews, but that'll have to wait until another later day. Um, but for reals, what have you guys been doing? Have you been working out a little bit extra hard? Do you think the ice rinks being closed for this month, this past two months, is going to affect your training at all? I don't know. I mean, it's something I've never done. I've never, like... You always hear when you're growing up in sports and stuff, you need to be working out. And the first thing people really think about when working out is your weights. And so with everything being closed, you've, I've really gotten into like a lot of body weight training and stuff. And um, I think I kind of like it. I might like it even more than weight training. Um, just, I think it's easier on the body, but it also builds that muscle and it builds your body the way that your body's supposed to be built. It's not really, I don't think it's natural for the body to be lifting three, four hundred pounds and stuff and 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, curling 300 is definitely not good for the biceps, but you got to do it. Uh, but training your body weight is just definitely interesting, and like I, Nate and I have been talking about it a lot. And even when gyms open and everything, I might even just try to stay with this body weight workouts and stuff because you definitely, I think you got to work harder to really feel it, body weight stuff. And so I think it's, it might be more beneficial, it might not be. I don't really know. I don't know the science behind everything, but I've been feeling really good on the ice and off the ice. And so uh, body weight stuff might become a new staple in my training regimen. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your pathway and how you've gotten from South Lake Tahoe to Utica? <laughs> um, I think I started playing hockey when I was like 10 years old. The, I just kind of played every sport when I was younger. And um, a rink opened in Tahoe and so I kind of tried it and it was a lot of fun. And so I kind of stuck with it for a little bit. And, was skating a few times but I was also playing soccer and baseball at pretty high levels so when hockey season was done I didn't really touch the ice until next hockey season and then as I got older I kind of uh, had to get more serious about sports kind of deciding which sport because when I was younger it was whatever season it was really what I wanted to pursue is baseball season I would have loved to play in the MLB if it was soccer I wanted to always play professional soccer and like even at a time I wanted to be a professional skier and so and hockey, I wanted to be a professional hockey. So kind of like narrowing it down. And so there wasn't a lot of teams in Tahoe. Every other year I had to play for a team out of like not in Tahoe. So when I was like, I think 13, I think was my last year playing for a Tahoe team. And then when I was 14, I played for a team in Santa Rosa. And then um, <clears throat> when I turned 15, no, actually, yeah, when I turned 15, I think I was, no, 14 is freshman in high school. When I was 14, I was a freshman in high school. I had dropped soccer. I had dropped baseball. I was just skiing. And um, I wanted, I don't really know why, but I tried football my freshman year of high school. Uh, I hated it. It was not a sport I really enjoyed. I didn't think there was a lot of brain that goes into football. Nothing against football players at all. But, a little bit against them. Yeah, but I just, I mean, I'm, I was one of the bigger kids in Tahoe, so... I had to play on the line and playing a sport and not being able to touch the ball or the puck and stuff is probably the most frustrating thing. And I think being so young, I didn't really realize how big of a role linemen play in football. And so it did give me a whole different level of respect for football players, but it was a sport I couldn't really get into. And so after my freshman year of football, hockey seasons had already started. So I kind of had to find a team. So I ended up finding a team in Sacramento and I played the rest of that season with them. And then after my freshman year was when Jamie Baker moved to Tahoe. And that's when I really started to take hockey more and more serious. And then that next year I played uh, like 15 AA hockey. And I had to travel every Wednesday down to Sacramento and practice. And then on the weekends I would drive back down and like we'd have games and practice depending on the weekend so I was pretty fortunate my mom was able to drive me everywhere which looking back I don't even know if I could have done the driving she did late nights after working eight hour shifts and stuff so I, I'm super happy my mom was willing to do that and then uh, after 15 AA I realized if I wanted to play a high level of hockey I kind of had to move away so I ended up moving to San Diego and living with my uncle Rob and um, playing for the San Diego junior goals that's when I met Nate. And uh, so I played that season in San Diego. Uh, the next year, the team, I don't, I didn't think the team was really going to be that solid. New coaches were coming in and stuff. Nate was leaving, which didn't have a huge impact. It was automatically number one D, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I ended up going to Boston. I played one year in Boston. I played 18 AAA out there. Um, I liked it a lot. I liked the coaches and everything, but I felt like, if I was going to play another year at 18s, I wanted it to be in like the highest level of AAA possible. And so I thought I would find a team in the Tier 1 league. So that's how I eventually moved out to Atlanta. I played a year in at Atlanta for Paul Flash, who was actually a huge influence on my hockey career. And he more taught me the ways the body worked off the ice and like how to lift properly for hockey and how to do all that. So I think he had a huge impact on my off-ice career. 
And he, he focused on details. He was my first coach. I really focused on all the details that go into hockey. And then uh, after that year, I had to make the jump to junior. And so that summer was pretty tough on me. I was kind of going like to a different couple different camps here and there, not really finding a spot. And that's when Crethers finally called me, and Crethers got me to a team in uh, the North American League. And I was there for about a month. Then they cut me, and I went to Charlotte. And actually, my first like week and a half in Charlotte was actually kind of rough. I think I was um, a little blind. I just wanted to be in the highest level possible, and I was kind of looking at Charlotte as not a place I could develop as a player. Then after about a week and a half, two weeks, I really started to like Charlotte. I liked all the guys. I liked the coaches. I liked how I was treated. So I did the rest of that season there. And then that next year, a lot of guys wanted to make a jump to the North American League. And I really didn't have any urge to go to the North American League. Um, I just wanted to play somewhere where I knew I could develop as a person, as a player. And Charlotte really gave me the best for that. And so I played one more year in Charlotte. And then uh, after that season, I went up to Utica, played my freshman year. And then I just finished up my sophomore year at Utica. Nice. That is awesome. I think it is so phenomenal that you guys get to travel and experience so many things just surrounding your hockey life. Like, I have never been to Atlanta or half of the places that you've been. And it's just, I think, one of the coolest things about hockey is that it's such, seems like such like a big world. But then you get your hockey community and everything is so small. Everyone knows everyone and it's just shrinks the world down a lot it's pretty awesome um jasper why don't you go ahead and tell us about your pathway with hockey okay um well yeah i played my youth hockey in uh berkeley iceland then went to oakland when berkeley closed down um after that played at tri-valley um this is when i started first playing double a and then like i said earlier when i was 16 i moved away to quebec went to prep school for a year um didn't have a great experience out there just wasn't really for me going from Oakland Tech to a boarding school is like a big change um you know it's just like a totally different environment everything's so structured so that was really difficult for me I ended up leaving after after a year and then went back for my senior year at Oakland Tech played 18 AA kind of honestly thought my hockey career was gonna end there um, it was pretty crazy. I uh, had kind of lost the drive to, you know, try to play juniors or anything after boarding school. It took a lot out of me. I had a major concussion that was difficult to overcome. It took me a few, probably four months or so before I started feeling normal again. Um, so that was hard. And then at the end of my uh, 18 AA year, I started talking to a few junior teams um but it was like junior b in canada so it was all these like it was kind of i didn't really feel like it was a good situation um but then randomly i got an email from sioux city in the ushl to come to their main camp um it's like a few weeks before it and so i was like you know what might as well try it try just give it one last shot see what happens so I went to the main camp and I actually ended up doing really well there. Um, got ended up got asked to come to their training camp with their 30-man roster, and from that I got more exposure to other teams like in the NA. And so I didn't end up making that team, but Topeka in the NHL ended up taking me to their training camp after that. Um, and then I was there for about a month. I got released and went to Minnesota, picked me up, went to Minnesota Wilderness, and I was there for about two weeks. I played the showcase with the Wilderness, and then I got released again. Um, ended up calling my buddy Carson Kelly, who was playing in Dallas for the Dallas Stars Elite 18 AAA, and uh, kind of just called him and was like, hey, do you guys have an extra spot on your team? He was like, yeah, we actually have an extra forward spot. One of our players just got uh, kicked off the team. So I, I, he was like, I'll have our coach call you. He called me five minutes later, asked me if I could meet them in Arizona. Next day, I flew to Arizona. Day of a tournament, got to Arizona and played for the Dallas Stars lead about three hours after I landed. And then that was just where I ended up playing for the rest of the year. Um, 
it was tough. I had to work two jobs. I, you know, it was, money was tough. It was pretty expensive with all the travel. So that was hard, but, and living in Texas was also a pretty crazy cultural experience. Just coming from California, it's like polar opposites. So that was an interesting year. And then I got the opportunity to play out in South Shore. Um, and I played in the Elite League, which is the same league Tyler played in. Um, and the top leagues at the time was the Premier League. Now they have NCDC, but I was playing the Elite League and I was, it was a good development year for me for sure. Um, I got called up here and there, but the Premier team was really good. They had a lot of D1 commits. So I didn't play on the Premier team until my last year at Juniors. Um, I played on the South Shore Premier team. It was having a good year. Um, I had only really talked to SUNY Fredonia school I'd really talked to throughout that year um, and then I got traded to PAL at the deadline and that's when I committed to Fredonia um, and then finished out my career at PAL um, and that was difficult because I was had been with South Shore for a year and a half so I was pretty close with a lot of the people in the organization and a lot of the teammates a lot of my teammates there so it was tough getting traded at the tail end of my junior career but nothing I could control um, and then, yeah, I finished my career at PAL, went to SUNY Fredonia, um, had a tough freshman year, and then decided to really work hard going into my sophomore year, and everything's been good ever since. So going into my senior year now at Fredonia, um, but yeah, it's been a long, windy road. So it's kind of crazy coming to the tail end of my senior, or like coming to the tail end of my college career not really knowing what's going to happen so yeah it's been a it's been a great experience though overall that's awesome yeah that is awesome hockey brings so many nice experiences and opportunities to our lives that's why i'm so grateful for it and it sounds like you've been blessed also to move around and to meet so many different people um nate how do you feel about your hockey career <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm super thankful, grateful for uh, all the experiences. Um, my uh, experience wasn't as windy as Jasper's. Uh, I pretty much played at home my whole youth, and then um, met Dill. <laughs> I was just threw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, big career changer there, meeting Dill. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, after that year with Dill, uh, I went away. For a year, and then super fortunate. I had some great billets. Um, one was a coach, and he set me up with uh, Muskegon and uh, played there for a year. And then Ferris picked me up, and I was at Ferris for four years. Now, uh, first year out out of Ferris and playing in Maine. So it wasn't as windy as or crazy as Jasper's, but it was still uh, a good ride. Nice, nice. Um, so Jasper, you brought up when you were talking, how you kind of got burnt out a little bit after boarding school. Um, was that the only time that you really had to force yourself back into the sport? Or were there other moments where you're like, you know, this is getting too difficult, too competitive? Were there any moments where you just felt like, like giving up for a second? And um, how did you come back from that? It's funny you say that. I'd say when I got to Texas was another time like when I left boarding school a lot of it had to do with my concussion like I got knocked out cold last game of the season and I was pretty out of it for a while so that really was difficult because it was on top of me hating boarding school it was just like that aspect was really difficult to deal with and then the drop in level of play the next year going to 18 AA was like something that was difficult to deal with because you feel like you just like played at this high level and now you're playing back down at a lower level so it was hard so that was the hard part about that and then for me when I got to Texas I had just gotten cut from three teams in a row been living out of a suitcase for a month and a half so that was really difficult because it was just like I just had never dealt with anything like that moving around so much got to a point where like I didn't even unpack my bag in Texas for a few weeks because I didn't know if that's where I was going to end up so that was hard just not really feeling comfortable where I was at ever that year 
Um, so that was hard. I, I definitely thought about quitting um, during that season. Um, but I don't know. I, every time I thought about quitting, usually it just was like I would think like about how much, how far, like how many different things I had gone like done just to like keep my career going and it was kind of like can't just give up now after all that I'd been through to keep it going you know what I mean yeah and so then when I got to school and didn't play that was another time where I was like damn like I really just like worked all this way to get to college and then didn't didn't play my freshman year and that was really discouraging because I when you're not playing you in your head you're like am I ever gonna play like it's hard to you know it's hard to like trust the process sometimes when you don't really get any immediate results um so that was hard too but I don't know I mean for me it just kind of every time I thought about quitting hockey it, it in my head it was just like I I couldn't think of like what else I would want to be doing or you know what I would do if I did quit hockey like if I quit it would just be I don't I didn't think I would be doing anything more productive doing something else so in my head it was just always like how do I find a way to make this situation work or get good enough to play in, in, on the team that I was on so yeah it was it, there's definitely times that I thought about quitting but yeah are you happy that you stuck with it absolutely yeah I mean my years in Fredonia have been the best three years of my life for sure like and that was all just because you know you just you go through adversity on your way to get there so it makes you appreciate um you know having a good situation for sure makes you enjoy it so much more yeah 100 percent. yeah um i remember a couple of years back tyler you were searching for a team and trying to figure out where you were gonna go was that a hard summer for you uh yes and no um, I think I got fortunate with Charlotte that I ended up going to a team that I kind of didn't really know. And the season before I came to Charlotte, they were one of the bottom end teams in the league. And then we ended up winning the championship my first year there. So I got pretty fortunate with that. And at times it was stressful talking to all these coaches and every coach wants to blow like smoke up your ass and tell you you're the greatest player they've ever seen and all this bullshit. And they just want you pay the money so that you play for them and I don't know if many of them really give a fuck where you go after them so I, I was pretty fortunate and I definitely had to deal with that and I don't know if I could ever step away from the game uh, I remember the first time I thought about quitting hockey I was pretty young and my mom said that hockey had made me more of a, a violent person or physical person and so my brother and I would always fight and being four years older I would <laughs> always just beat him up and my mom said that like hockey was taking like not a negative toll, but making me more physical and uh, abusive would be a word, but I don't like abusive. <laughs> and so I told her like, fine, then I won't play the goddamn sport. And I started crying and I got into it with my mom about like, if she thought hockey was ruining my life, which wasn't what she was saying at all. But at the time when I was so young, uh, I thought that quitting hockey would make me less violent or something. I don't know, but. I think that's like the only time I've really like seriously thought about quitting, I guess. But at the time I was eight years old or something like that, maybe 11, I think. And so other than that, I think, I don't think I could ever really step away from the game. Even when I'm done with the game, I think, I don't know if I'll be able to ever step away completely from it. I'll always have a part of it. It's been a huge part of my life. And I think it's had such a positive impact on everything I do. And a lot of what I think about day to day is hockey, how I'm going to better my career, how I'm going to better get better each day. So. Nice. You going to be a coach, Tyler, when you're older? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, it, it, it all comes down to money and stuff, but if I could figure out a way to coach kids that are serious and stuff and kids that have a passion for the sport, I definitely think I would take that opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. So we have a couple of minutes left here, and I want to end it on a positive note since I took it a little bit dark. But um, why don't we, anyone got any good stories from their season or any funny hockey stories that we can tell on this podcast? Man, I got a funny story. Um, it's not about the season, but uh, earlier this week uh, we were doing a workout. Um, it was a mile run and then like 100 push-ups or 
100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then another mile run. So the first mile run we did it, it was it was uh, it was good. Tyler did mention that uh, he had to go to the bathroom though, and uh, of course we were at a track and there's no bathrooms around. Um, so we do the first run. He says, "Oh, I'm great. I'm feeling good." Uh, finished the the lifts with uh, push-ups and pull-ups and squats, and then the second mile, lap number four. Uh, Let's Tyler, get la- only guy to finish the last ten pull-ups without help. Let's get that in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, no, uh, so I was we're there. The fourth, uh, the fourth lap, and uh, sure enough, Tyler's coming in two minutes behind the pack um, <laughs> because he had to uh, just let loose uh, a little the pukester. Um, little uh, liquid uh, that was stuck in his body. <laughs> well, pit stop it up. on the mile run. <laughs> yeah, just, just a mile. That's all it was, by the way. Finished under 42 with puking. <laughs> Let's get that in there. So it looks like the elevation doesn't help much like for Tyler. Huh? No. <laughs> no. It's all mental. If I tell a story and it's, and it's like too inappropriate, can you just edit it out? Well, people, we will leave that up to your own judgment if you want to leave this podcast early or not. But let's hear Jasper's story. Uh, this is actually crazy. I forgot about this, but I, I got to tell this one. So we were playing Potsdam, and a uh, kid on our team, he had, like, a, like an ex-girlfriend from Canada that lived, like, close by Potsdam. Yeah. He had been, like, chatting with her throughout the year. I'm not going to name any names. Good, um, good. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm stretching with him before the game. We have, like, a routine where we play sewer, and, uh, which is soccer. And, um, his ex showed up to the game, and, like, he had been texting her to come to the game. So, uh, he stops our sewer game, goes out to the parking lot with her. Uh, quick one before the game. Shows up <laughs> for a pregame meeting. Wow. With two minutes to spare. I've never heard that ever. Plays the game. <laughs> we lose one nothing. Max fine in court, but one hell of a story. Um, Dude, can't Max fine. You got a berry. Dude, that's why I said to him, he's my liney. I'm like, yo, if you're gonna do that, you you gotta score during the game. We get shut out. Max, How did he play? What? How did he play? I mean, he had chances. He was one of the best players on our team, but. No goals, so I'm like, if you're gonna if you're gonna tuck before the game, you gotta tuck during the game. So <laughs> that was that was a crazy story. Never, I never had that happen on any team I'd ever been on before until that point. And like, I'm talking about like we're showing up for pregame meeting 5:25, and he's he's running in the door 5:23, huffing and puffing because he just ran from the parking lot. So, wow. but uh. Yeah, that was that was definitely a crazy story during the season. Um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else have anything to share? <laughs> I can't top that one. <laughs> okay, I got one last question for you guys. How do you feel about this whole tour day force? You think I got something going on, or? <laughs> I think it's a start. I think every. I think you should give that. Uh, that musical chairs uh, a little speech right now. Oh, <laughs> oh hit me with okay. it. Um, so we were playing 16s. We are in Indianapolis, right? Yeah. And, well, I, I don't know how you knew that, but it's more asking Nate. Yeah, uh, right, yeah, sorry. And so we are at the USHL. Uh, the USHL had a showcase, and there's, like, a youth version of that, so it's all AAA. And so we were playing teams. We were playing, like, Honey Baked and stuff, and we went to uh, a game at the Indiana Ice's rink. And but everyone was watching, but then in between periods, the whole team left except for Nate, my buddy Miranda, and myself. And then all of a sudden, like we're talking like NHL scouts, Division One scouts, like every high-level scout you could think about is in the stands. And um, we're just watching, sick game to be at. And then um, this guy comes up and is like, "Hey, do you guys want to play musical chairs in between periods?" And all three of us shut it down real quick, like kind of thinking, you know what, that's not probably the best move to be doing in front of all these scouts. <laughs> Somehow Nate's dad kind of convinces us to go do it. And so we're like, okay, we'll go do it. And 
So we head out there to do it, and um, we're going down in the elevator. They give us all these helmets, no visors, nothing, old school helmets, and it's us three, and I would say probably like an 11 year old, maybe a 12 year old girl. Girl. <laughs> and so it's musical chair, center ice. By the time we start, the whole team kind of comes back in. So our whole team's watching, still scouts watching everything. So, I mean, you gotta win. Like, there's just no doubt. And so, first round goes by. Were you first out or second out? Second. Yeah, our buddy Miranda gets out first. They go, so it goes down to two chairs, three people. Nate gets out. It's me and this 12 year old girl. And we're both circling the chair. And like these people are choosing when the music stops and stuff. And you definitely got to give it to the 12 year old girl. But I wasn't going to have that happen. I, it's like, even if I'm on the wrong side of the chair, I'm probably going to pull it out on her. <laughs> and so music stops. I would say I definitely used my body to my advantage and got my seat on the chair, ended up <laughs> winning first place. And no way. Nate, Miranda, and I were all center ice, jumping and screaming like we just won That's <laughs> right, we a were. pretty big game. Oh and so uh, they ended up giving me like a swag bag. So there's three fucking 16-year-old dudes jumping around in center ice while this chick is devastated. Devastated. <laughs> she just lost. Her parents are probably there too. Like, um, But that's not something I was going to lose. And... Uh, so then they give me like a, a goodie bag and uh, they ask if I want to give a speech. And so wow. I say, yeah, I'll give a speech. So I, they take the microphone and all the boys are in the stands. And so I was like, yeah, I got to give them something good. And so I was just like, yeah, um, you know, winning musical chairs is never something I really imagined when I was young. But if you put your mind to anything, you can achieve greatness. And that's something I've always lived my life by. <laughs> And so, like, I gave this motivational speech, and the boys all loved it, and then they asked me to say what was in the goodie bag, and so I was just gave kind of sarcastic answers. I was like, uh, I got this sweet cup I'm going to use to uh, drink out of. Um, I got this sweet shirt. I'll probably be wearing the shirt. And then everyone went crazy. It was hilarious. And then um, we went back to the stands and got a, a nice ovation from all the boys. Uh. Nice. Hilarious. So, so you're just crushing little girls' dreams. Much. Yeah, I mean, they, she stepped in the ring with me. I didn't. I, Don't get into the kitchen if you can't take the heat. Yeah, exactly. So that was, um, yeah, that was my only win on a USHL ice. <laughs> so I'm glad it was. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was one of the last wins ever on that ice. They actually tore down the rink after that year. Shut down that. Well, I'm glad we could relive that win with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I don't know. Well, people, since they swerved my original question, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that they're not putting any air in my head for this. <laughs> but I love them anyway, so they'll well, support saying, me. I was more saying, say the speech you said to her about the tour de force thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean. I don't remember the exact speech. I think my adrenaline was going a little and I was just kind of spewing off the top of my head. But it was just more, you put your mind to anything, you can achieve greatness. Exactly. What Thank you. Says. I will take that and I will run with Boom. it. I truly believe you reap what you sow. So I feel like as long as I'm consistent with this. And we'll if anyone thinks they're good at musical chairs, I'm always there for a good challenge. Oh, oh and. We have a last minute addition, my beautiful dog, Boomer, who wants to say goodbye to everyone as we sign off. Thank you for listening to our very first podcast. See ya.